You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. It is time. It is time. They can't be the Packers. Are you crazy? Listening to Cheese and Packers, a project powered by the Packernet Podcast Network. I'm your host, JJ Leahy. Check me out on Twitter at JJ Leahy. That's L-A-H-E-Y. Patreon.com slash JJ Leahy is where you can support this show. That is a huge, huge help these days. Um, so got a fantastic response to last week's episode where we were talking about NFC contenders. Uh, I did have someone reach out and remind me that uh, Jeff Gladney, who I'd mentioned as a um, cornerback who might come in and stabilize a pretty horrific uh, defensive back room for the uh, Cardinals outside of the overrated Buda Baker. Um, I'd mentioned Jeff Gladney and said that maybe cornerback really wasn't an issue because they had Gladney. I was reminded Gladney unfortunately passed away earlier this year. So, very tragic. Um, sorry to, uh, Jeff and his family. Not so sorry to the Cardinals though. I don't think that they are in good shape. They may have to make some moves prior to the season. We'll see what they do. Uh, we're going to kick things off today with a question from Andy Monday sent in via voicemail. Hi, JJ. This is Andy Monday from central Kansas. Now that it's the uh, dead of the off season, I'd like to go back and watch some past Packers games that just watched the abbreviated version of the 1994 playoff game against the Lions in Green Bay. That's the first uh, home playoff game since 1982. That was where uh, Barry Sanders was held to his lowest rushing total ever. If you've never seen that game or heard about it, I'll leave you to watching it to find out just how uh, well our defense played against Barry. And another nice hard-hitting playoff game would be the next year, 1995, the Divisional playoff game at defending champion San Francisco 49ers. That was a really great turning point game for the 90s Packers. So I guess my question then is, what would you suggest that uh, people who have either been Packers fans for a while or, or maybe only a short amount of time, which game would you recommend they go back and watch? I think obviously the Super Bowl wins, but uh, any other um, games would be, uh, I think, a neat, neat suggestion for the show. Thanks. Bye. Thank you, Andy. Um, so that was a fun game. Um, if you're looking for other suggestions, I'm going to toss out, first of all, um, my favorite Packers game of all time is 2018 Week 1 Chicago Bears. This is the uh, money game. I never get tired of watching that. I probably probably pull that out uh, every, I don't know, 18 years, two months, you know, something like that, uh, and rewatch it. Super, super good. Uh, I think the uh, 2003 Seattle playoff game, this was the we want the ball and we're going to score. Of course, overtime is what that game is known for, but the game that led up to it really was uh, really good. Alan Green really put the team on his back in the fourth quarter uh, to put the Packers back up 27-20. to 
And then there was a one-yard touchdown run by Sean Alexander with just seconds left in the game. Another good uh, Seattle playoff game, 2007 playoffs, or I guess really it was the 2007 season. This was in 2008, though. Um, Packers, uh, Seahawks, this was at Lambeau. Um, Interesting uh, kind of wonky game to start and then really got rolling um, after uh, Ryan Grant, who had an early fumble, uh, did run for over 200 yards. I think that is the um, only time that a Packers running back has had over 200 yards in a playoff game, but he had three touchdowns on the day. Favre also had three touchdowns. And as it turned out, this was the last win for Brett Favre as a Packer. So that's a good one. Uh, Continuing on with Brett Favre games, 2010 en route to the Super Bowl. uh, Packers finally beat the Vikings after two straight losses uh, the previous year. Aaron Rodgers and the Pack finally are able to take down the Brett Favre-led Vikings. It's a close game. Um, Brett Favre had a lot of interceptions, uh, kept it close, and the Vikings even really had a chance at the, toward the end of the game to steal it. Um, but ultimately, the Packers were able to prevail. A uh, really good one. Uh, another good Aaron Rodgers game. This was, um, what was it, week eight, I think, in 2019. This is the first year of the Matt LaFleur Regime. This was versus the Oakland Raiders, and Aaron Rodgers was missing Devontae Adams. I want to say he might have also been missing Alan Lazard. Not sure. Um, but there was a real question leading up to that game who the heck was going to be catching passes? MVS was injured. MVS. I think MVS and Geronimo Allison were both injured, and then they both ended up suiting up at the last minute. They were not expected to play, but they did. And it was an interesting game because it was Aaron Rodgers' only perfect passer rating game. Uh, Really took it to the Raiders. And I remember that day pretty well because I was helping my girlfriend move during, (laughs) during that game. And um, I was uh, at various times I would, uh, you know, have to sneak away and check on the score and see how that was going and ended up marrying her. So that all worked out pretty well for me. I guess she wasn't too annoyed that I was trying to watch the, the uh, Raiders while helping her move. Uh, I would be, I'd be remiss if I didn't recommend the Matt Flynn game. Uh, final score, Packers 45, Lions 41. This was 2012. Uh, This would be the second time that year they played them. Super fun game. The Packers were 14-1 at that point. And were able to uh, pull off the win, 2011 season. And then uh, one final game. This is not a Packers game, but you're asking for games to watch in the offseason. I gave you a bunch of good Packers games. Go back and re-watch 2018 Chiefs-Rams. This was... Um, absolutely clash of the Titans, crazy, crazy game. I think it ended up being the third highest scoring game in NFL history. Absolutely worth the watch. This was, uh, Patrick Mahomes best season. And this was, uh, Jared Goff's best season as well. This is back when 
Um, Sean McVay was just absolutely dominating the NFL um, and murdering people with Todd Gurley. The uh, offensive line production in that game was just outstanding. Not a lick of defense. (laughs) It was all offense that day, but super fun. So thanks for the fun question, Andy. I think I will probably ask this same question of Gil Martin when we record No Huddle this week. So tune into that and see which games uh, Gil recommends because Gil's been watching football and and Packers football um, for a very, very long time. So there's going to be some special games that fly under the radar that he will remember. All right, we're going to um, dive into the Eagles because I was um, last week I did my uh, NFC contenders and I didn't talk about uh, a few teams. I didn't talk about Washington, uh, Philadelphia. I did not talk about the Vikings. I don't know if I'm going to get into the Vikings today because I really want to have a Vikings guest on to talk about their offseason. Uh, but we'll see. I, I have a feeling that I'm going to go uh too long on the other teams anyways we do have a super interesting bears guest coming on soon to talk about them um but the eagles the more i dive into them they're a really interesting team that could be scary and i think it's gonna all depend on their defense so let's talk first about what they did in the offense uh the offense offensive side of the ball so they brought in A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown and uh, Devontae Smith, I think, are going to be a pretty lethal passing duo, or receiving duo, I should say. Last year, the Eagles ranked 10th overall. They were 7th on offense via PFF. And looking across the board, they got good players. I have never really understood the frustrations with Jalen Hurts. I don't think he's a bad quarterback. I think he's a young quarterback. Um, I think he. I think he was pretty lethal at times. Obviously not perfect, but I, I have a lot of um, faith in him going forward. I've always liked Jalen Hurts. <clears throat> Looking across the rest of the offense, one thing that shines out to you is that Dallas Goddard, their tight end, was really good last year. He had a ninety point seven overall grade. Um, he was the second highest graded tight end in football. I don't know if I said that already. He had, um, 830 yards, four touchdowns, uh, targeted 72 times, hauled in 56 catches. Um, and he's a good blocker. His, uh, run blocking was kind of up and down. Pass blocking was really good. Um, Running overall has not been a strength for the Eagles in a few years. Uh, Miles Sanders just has not been it. I can't take Miles Sanders seriously because his Twitter handle, I think, is Booby Sanders. And I don't follow the Eagles closely enough to know, like, do people actually call him Booby? I don't know, but that is a horrible nickname. <laughs> um, and I've, uh, I feel like every single year people are hyping him up as, like, you know, that he's going to be a fantastic fantasy running back. He's not even that good in fantasy. I just, I don't buy the Eagles' uh, run game. Uh, At receiver, behind uh, Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown, there actually isn't a number three. I think Zach Pascal, Quez Watkins, um, probably duking it out for the slot 
receiver position, and I would probably throw my hat toward Quez Watkins winning that. Uh, sounds like he's looked really good so far this offseason and really impressed the coaches. So I would guess that it's him. Um, you may remember that they have Jalen Rager, who was a dude that uh, the – uh, Packers fan base and the the media really thought the Packers needed to go get Jalen Rager. I really never could stand him. I thought he was a pretty bad prospect, but whatever. So it's been uh, entertaining to me <laughs> to see just the uh, total pariah he has become over there in uh, Philadelphia. Now, the, the Eagles also have Richard Rodgers, who has not been that bad for them the last few years you know he was um i think right after he left the packers he was quiet for a couple of years but he's really seen kind of a resurgence i would say the last two years in philadelphia now their offensive line is really good this is one of the better offensive lines in football um which is one of the reasons why they're a scary team. So I think the 49ers, uh, the Lions, the Eagles, I think those are probably three of the top five best offensive lines in the NFL. As of right now, they are going to be starting a rookie. No, he's not a rookie. He just, I don't know why it said rookie. This site is stupid sometimes. So this is Isaac uh, Sumalo. Interesting name. Been in the league since 2016. He's a former third-round pick. He only had one really bad year in 2017. Uh, 2020 was a bit of an average, uh, mediocre year for him. The rest of his career, you're talking four other years. He's been uh, 70s or higher. Uh, last year was a career year for him, and he really excelled as a pass blocker. But his run blocking was pretty good as well. So that's their starting or projected right guard. Um. I think the re- I think the reason that he was unranked is because he didn't play right guard last year. Maybe he was a center last year. That's my theory. We'll we'll run with that. Uh, of course, Jason Kelsey is still back at center, one of the premium centers in football. Twenty twenty, he had a bit of a down year, and so I think everybody wondered if his career was fizzling out. But he bounced right back in twenty twenty one to basically where he's uh, been at his best. You know, since 2013, he's been one of the very best centers in football. Had an 84.5 last year. Uh, He really excelled as a run blocker. Um, He was the third best center overall and the third best run blocking center overall. 12th best pass blocking center. Left tackle, they got Jordan Mailata. He's a 2018 seventh rounder. Dude is a stud, or he was last year. didn't play in 2018 or 19, but in 2020, he had a 70 grade. In 2021, he broke out and had an 88.3, and he was good at everything. So that's um, a little bit unfortunate for those who have to go up against uh, the Eagles, but uh, exciting for Eagles fans. Right tackle, Lane Johnson, you're very familiar with him. He is still who he's always been. Very, very good uh, player. So, uh, offensive line is a massive strength for the Eagles. Wide receiver, I I will say, I think bringing in A.J. Brown and putting him opposite Devontae Smith makes this one of the better wide receiver duos in football and certainly good enough. I don't think you have 
um, I don't think you even care about the slot. You know, this is going to be really similar to what the Vikings have been the last few years. You got two dominant receivers. Um, hopefully, you can figure out the run game. Um, but they also have one of the best receiving tight ends in football right now in Dallas Goddard. It's kind of taken over the Zach Ertz mantle. So, um, running back, I think, is an issue. I think they're going to have to find an answer for running back. And looking at the rest of their roster. Jason Huntley, Kennedy Brooks, Boston Scott, Kenneth Gainwell. Mm, not really good players. Actually, Boston Scott and Kenneth Gainwell have played better than Miles Sanders in the last two years. I just don't understand the Miles Sanders thing. He's just not that good. So could the run game hold them back? Maybe. I think that... Uh, no, I forgot they have Landon Dickerson there, too, at left guard. Uh, he was a 2021 second rounder. Um, what's, what's, what was he from? I feel like he's Bama or something. Yeah, Bama. Six foot six, 325 pounds. Um, I liked him well enough. Uh, I think that, uh, that was a pretty good pick. He had a 69.6 grade last year. That's pretty good for a rookie. Um, yeah, I think the offensive line is really going to be a strength for them. And if they can get... Um, a little bit better run blocking production out of their two guards. I think you can throw a guy like Booby Sanders back there and still get some yards. So this should be a really good offense. They were intermittently crazy good last year. They're putting up like, um, you know, they were blowing teams out by like 50 points at times last year. Let me see. 2021 schedule for the Eagles. Because they were up and down. So, let's see, preseason doesn't count. Um, so, I'm going to read off the scores of, um, let's see, starting week one. 32 to 6, they won. Uh, they lost 11 to 17. Lost 21 41. Lost 30 to 42. Won 21 18. Lost 22 28. Lost 22 33. Then. They beat the Lions 44-6, lost 24-27 to the Chargers. When did they get good? I know they were good at one point. Uh, beat the Broncos 30-13, beat the Saints 40-29. So if at that point, they have won three of their previous four games in a blowout. So uh, then they had one loss by three points to the Chargers. Uh, lost 7-13 to 13 to the Giants. That's a Giants game for you. Beat the Jets 33-18. to 18. Um, Beat the Commanders 27-17. to 17. Beat the Giants 34-10. to 10. Beat the Commanders again 20-16. to 16. Uh, Lost to the Cowboys 26-51. to 51. Their, their defense was really putrid last year. And, of course, I think part of why people are down on Jalen – Hurts is because they remember the last time they saw the Eagles was in the playoffs versus the Buccaneers. Miserable performance. 15 to 31 loss. I remember my wife was watching that game and she was she became the biggest Eagles hater in the world on that day because she hates Tom Brady. She was miserable. Oh, she hated that game. She kept turning it off, but then she'd turn it back on and watch. She'd like hate watch it again, but all she could do is was trash the Eagles. <laughs> um, so the Eagles defense needs to get better. And looking at the guys that they have, there's still some pretty significant issues. 
I think the Eagles are talented enough to take advantage of a flawed team, but I don't think they can beat a good team. Um, So looking at the guys on their defense, the defensive line is really the strength because they brought Fletcher Cox back. They got, who's this, Hassan Reddick? I think so. Yeah, Hassan Reddick. Um, actually had an okay year last year. Uh, Brandon Graham had uh just about yeah he had the worst year of his career last year so got to figure that out. Uh, looks like he didn't play the whole season. Confused here. This looks like maybe he only played two games last year. If that's the case then uh, that kind of explains some of their defensive issues last year. Yeah, he played he had two tackles last year. Come on, give me the games played. He played two games last year, so he was hurt all last year. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say he probably bounces back this year. Now Javon Hargrave, former Steeler, this was a dude I really wanted with the Packers. Unfortunately, the, the second he left Pittsburgh, he took a nosedive. Um, had the worst year of his career in 2020, his first year with the Eagles. Um, got paid a boatload of money to go there. Kind of brought it back a bit last year, but still really not where you want him to be. But he was um, a really, really good pass rusher. He was the second highest graded interior pass rusher uh, in the league last year. Unfortunately, his run defense was putrid. It has been ever since he got to Philly. So uh, they need to clamp their run defense. I think that part of that is going to um, require some help from the linebackers. Um, and they have one good linebacker there, TJ Edwards, actually a pretty good player. Um, you see across the board, anytime you look at any player for the Eagles, 2020 is like a career low for them, and then they bounced back a bit in 2021. That's true with TJ Edwards as well. He was the 10th best linebacker in football last year. Next to him, you have Kazir White. Um, man, his 2020 grade was bad. 52nd best linebacker last year. He bounced back to 20th. I think that this is a good enough linebacker duo that you're not upset about it. Um, now, if they have a third guy out there, your Sam would be Davion Taylor right now, who's a really bad football player. So I would expect maybe – see, the problem is your DBs aren't that great either. So do you really want to be leading on like a 4-2-5 look? I'm not so sure about that. They need to get another linebacker in there to help, but the, the your, your top two guys are not too bad. Kayvon Wallace – is a really horrific safety. And then opposite him, you got Anthony Harris, who has not been good since 2019. So ever since he left the Vikings, he's been a mess. Interestingly with him, remember I said 2020 is like the really bad career, bad year for everybody on this team. And then they bounce back in 2021. Not true with Anthony Harris. Uh, He actually got worse in 2021 than he was in 2020. So... I wonder how much this dude has left in the tank. He's not super old. He was drafted in 2015. His career best year was the year, his final year with the Vikings. He had an 89 and then a 91, his final two years there. Since then, a 66 and a 61. I don't know, man. That dude 
they got to get things figured out. I would have questions about their um, defensive coaching staff because you're just across the board. They, they got good players at every level or guys who have traditionally been good players. They got James Bradbury at corner. Again, he got worse in 2021 than he was in 2020. Opposite him, you got Darius Slay. Um, had a career best year last year, so that's good to see. Defense, I think, is a mess, and I think a uh, big, big part of it is going to come down to coaching. So when Doug Peterson left, which was overdue, I think he got uh, he got a solid one year longer than was excusable because of his Super Bowl. I think he should have been fired two years prior. But uh, when he left, Nick Sirianni came in and brought a whole new coaching staff. It looks like this offseason there really hasn't been any turnover coaching-wise for them. Um, I mean, other than there's been a lot of changes in the front office, but not, you know, and like their scouting department, which is good because they've been drafting poorly for a long time. Uh, new director of player personnel. I don't see any changes with the actual coaching staff though. So they may not have made any changes. So, but I, I still would question, you know, and, and again, they've only had one year, so uh, give them another year to, to figure things out. But, it's not a good look that three of your four starting uh, defensive backs had a career worst year last year. I guess Kayvon Wallace technically had his second worst year, but it wasn't a good season. So I think the defense is still a mess. Um, offensively, uh, Hertz is going to have to be a little more consistent. I think he was good last year, but inconsistent. And if he can kind of kind of clean that up and play a little more consistently, you're going to get some pretty good production from the offense. Looks like part of the problem was that he got worse toward the end of the year. One, two, three, four. Four of his final six games of the year, he had a pretty bad grade. Um, whereas for the first ten weeks of the season, um, he was uh, – Really playing pretty well. I think you don't have any complaints. Uh, his best game of the year was week one versus Atlanta. But in, in total, first 10 weeks of the season, really good. Final six weeks, uh, up and down with a little bit more down than up. And had the worst game of his season versus the Buccaneers. So uh, what week do we play the Eagles? We play the Eagles in... Of course, they don't number this, so I'll just count. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Play them in week 12. So last year, week 12 was actually his second worst game of the season, so maybe I hope that he repeats that. Um, and I'm curious. Let me rewind and go back to 2020 because we played him in 2020. I thought so. 2020, he had his best game of the season. So he was playing some snaps on and off, but week 13 against Green Bay in 2020 was the first game that he started and played the whole game. Uh, has 79.7, and where he really killed us was through the air. Didn't do too much as a runner. Through the air, he was uh, pretty lethal. I remember he had one one deep pass that just, like, uh, the game should have been over, and he brought him, kind of really brought him back. Um, ended up being a fun game. I don't 
remember much heartburn from that game. It was a pretty fun one, but uh, so it'll be interesting to see what he does this season. Uh, two years removed from that game, we have a whole new defense. Um, so we'll we'll see how that goes. But that's the Eagles for you. I think that the Eagles are absolutely going to be in the playoff conversation. I, I, I'll, I'll go ahead and pencil them in as I think they are going to make the playoffs, at least as a wild card. And I think that they're going to give the Cowboys a really serious challenge for the division. Uh, we talked last week about what the Cowboys could be. Um, I, I really think that uh, – did we talk about the Cowboys? Pretty sure we did. 90% sure we talked about the Cowboys last week. Problem is that I have been studying all these teams, and then I, I talk out loud you know, my own thoughts about them. Uh, and so sometimes it's a little bit hard to remember – uh, what I talked about on the show, uh, but I wrote my notes down. Did we talk? Did we not talk about the Cowboys? We did. We hit the Niners, Rams, Cowboys, Cardinals, and Buccaneers last week. So, uh, Eagles playoff team for me. I think they're really going to challenge the Cowboys for the division. I think the Commanders are going to be in the mix. We'll talk about them. Um, but first, let's talk, talk about the Saints because I think that that actually we don't play the Saints this year. Let's talk about. Washington because we do play them. Um, so we play them 11, 12, 9, 8, 7. We play them week 7. This is a noon game. October 23rd. You know what? Rewind for a second. Forgot. The Eagles drafted Nicobe Dean. So I was talking about how they needed a third linebacker. I would guess that Nicobe Dean's going to be at least good enough to be their linebacker 3 this year. Uh, they have Jordan Davis. And Cam Jurgens. Uh, Cam Jurgens uh, is a uh, center. Is he going to be center or guard? I don't think Cam Jurgens is going to play this year. Um, they brought in Zach Pascal. Yeah, I I, I don't think Cam Jurgens is going to factor in this year. But uh, Jason Kelsey, I would anticipate, is going to retire after this season, and. Then Cam Jurgens, you would expect, is going to come in and play. Jordan Davis, uh, <clears throat> really good run defender. And that maybe is going to make a big difference on a defensive line that, as I mentioned, did really struggle against the run last year. Um, but then Nicobe Dean, I, th- I think he's going to be at least their linebacker three. And I think that that, that, that combo, those two guys, really has the potential to... Um, really impact the face of the defense. And it's interesting. Jordan Davis, N'Kobe Dean, defensive tackle and linebacker from Georgia. Obviously, Packers brought in Devontae Wyatt and Quay Walker from Georgia as well. So it's pretty fun that um, you got two D tackles and two linebackers, and um, they both ended up uh, on the same NFL team as one of their teammates. They get to play this year. Um, it be fun to see... Number one, who is um, already getting more playing time by the time week 12 rolls around. Number two, if anybody is standing out, it'll be fun over the years to compare these pairings. Um, wow, we're already half an hour in. i got to take an ad break, and then we're going to dive into Washington because we play them this year. And if we have time, we'll wrap up with the Saints as the uh, final non-division NFC contender. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. 
We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Washington, the messy team who may soon not have an owner. Uh, let's see what's going on with them. So uh, besides a shiny new logo and a ridiculous name that nobody likes, uh, they made some coaching changes. Uh, let's see here. Got some quality control guys and assistant coaches. Um, not super important. Basically, one, two, three, four. Um, interns or quality assistant coaches got promoted to assistant coaches. The one exception would be that that one intern, Christian Garcia, got promoted to quality control coach. So I don't think any of that is going to impact anything on the field this year. Uh, looks like one of these guys, Vincent Rivera, that's got to be like Ron Rivera's son, right? That's uh, always love to see that nepotism is that is it really just a coincidence that's the last name i think it's a coincidence no he's the nephew of ron rivera but he's been at washington since before rivera got there so washington commanders i think they're a mess they did just re-sign terry mclaurin you kind of had to do that because he's one of the best players your entire team has they brought in carson wentz who is not the worst quarterback I'm kind of tired of seeing him, seeing him get passed around, though. Um, I think I would have been more excited if they brought in Baker Mayfield or Jimmy Garoppolo, but uh, whatever. He's better than Marcus Mariota. Um, I, I, I just I don't know how far you're going to get with Carson Wentz. I know that he was good-ish his first two years in the league. Um, inconsistent, but good. He really has struggled, and... A lot of people were trying to sell the idea that reuniting him with uh, Frank Reich was going to unlock his magic last year. And I just didn't buy it at the time. It didn't work. He had one really good game against Houston last year. had a 94 grade. Followed that up with two goose eggs, 46 and 42, (laughs) versus San Francisco and Tennessee. Um, basically, anytime he went up against a competent defensive line, he was in trouble. 
despite the fact that the Colts have a pretty good offensive line. So um, going to Washington, I don't expect him to get better. I expect him to get even worse than he was last year. Um, part of the problem with his season, uh, I already mentioned, was the up and down. So you got 60, 70, 66, 60, or 76, 70, 94, 46, 42, 81, 55, 66, 79, 69, 35 against the Patriots, 79, 55, and this is cut off, but it looks like it's uh, what, 62, 62. So uh, dude was just, he was an issue. He had... Um, some fumbling issues. Um, whenever he was asked to take off and run, it was kind of a disaster. So that's not great. Um, overall, this was his second worst season. 2020, he hit rock bottom. Again, that was that really horrific Doug Peterson year that the Eagles fully deserved. Should have moved on from Doug Peterson sooner than that. Uh, it was horrific play calling, horrific quarterback play, um, just gutless from top to bottom in that whole organization. So um, really didn't like that. He bounced back just slightly in 2021, um, but wasn't even back up to where he'd been in 2019, which was his previous worst year. So what moves did the commanders make that did make them better? Well, for starters, you got a bit of a different offensive line out there now. Your right tackle is Sam Cosme. He had a good rookie season. Uh, actually, was a really good player. 74 for a rookie is not half bad. Right tackle is Trey Turner. Um, bit of a leap of faith to bring him in last year because 2020 he was just appallingly bad. A 34 grade. Bounced back up to a 68 last year. Struggled in run blocking, um, but in pass pro he was pretty rock solid. Center, you got Chase Roulier. Uh, had a career best season last year after being drafted in 2017. One thing you like with Chase is he has gotten better every single year he's been in the league. There's been at least some improvement over the previous season, so last year uh, would make sense that it's his best year. Uh, really, really good run blocker. Um, not horrible in pass pro. He was the 10th best center, but you know, there's only, you're only talking about 32 centers, so um, top one-third decent uh left guard is kind of the weak link and he's not terrible so this is they brought in uh andrew norwell from the jaguars um did have a second worst year of his career last year but he was still at a 66 so overall the dude's always been kind of good not great and he was just kind of more the same last year i think for left guard that's probably fine Next to him at left tackle, you got Charles Leno, who had a career best year last year after finally getting away from the Bears. And he wasn't even terrible with the Bears. He had two down years, uh, his rookie season and 2019. Both were not very good, but 15, 16, 18, 2020, all great. 2017 was his um, a, a game or a year that looked like a breakout was a little bit more of a flash in the pan, regressed a little bit the next few years, and then bounced back last year to have his best year of, this, um, of his career. I think Charles Leno is um, a, a really solid left tackle, top 10 guy for sure. Um, and then looking at their running backs, this is, this is an issue, and it's been an issue for a while. 
so the starting running back looks like it's projected to be J.D. McKissick. And who else do they even have? Jonathan Williams they have. Uh, he's a 2016 fifth rounder out of Arkansas. Never been a very good player. He had one good year in 2019. He was okay last year, slightly better than J.D. McKissick. I think – now, they did draft Brian Robinson uh, out of Alabama. I think that they need to get him coached up, uh, figure out the blocking and stuff, and slot him in there as you're starting running back, I would say, as soon as possible. Of course, they do have Antonio Gibson, but I think that easily the most talented guy of the bunch has to be Brian Robinson, even though he's a rookie. Um, I, I just think that uh, running back is one of those positions where you can kind of do that with. Some other strengths, uh, tight end, they're not too bad. Logan Thomas, of course, is uh, very well known, um, but John Bates is on the roster, and he was uh, pretty good. He was the 15th best tight end in football last year. Logan Thomas, for comparison, was 37th. So um, it'd be interesting to see if they continue to feature Bates. It looks like he had played a few more snaps than Logan Thomas last year, but Logan was hurt for at least several weeks, I think. Um, so John Bates actually just about doubled Logan Thomas's snaps. And one area where John Bates really excels is in his run blocking. So that's good news, uh, especially if you're trying to get a rookie running back going, and I think that should be their plan course at wide receiver terry mclaurin is there and they got curtis samuel um those uh, curtis samuel was hurt last year which sucked uh, but he's back now and then you got rookie Jahan dotson who i really liked i think that those three are going to be quite formidable i think that if the commanders can get passable <laughs> nah, no pun intended if you can get passable passing play from carson wentz you know, if he doesn't just completely crumple and and uh, stink, I think that they should be fine offensively, um, and they have enough capable, competent guys in the backfield to get things going in the running game. Again, I think Brian Robinson is the guy who probably can shine the most, but you do have Gibson and McKissick there who can make some noise as well and have done it before. Look, on the defensive side of the ball, the only issue they really have is linebacker. Everywhere else, they're pretty solid. Now, uh, William Jackson, the third, is their cornerback number two, and he is a problem for the commanders. Um, I would maybe be exploring above any other spot where you could make an addition. I might be exploring how you can improve the cornerback room. Um, man, you just look at the list of corners they have on this roster, and it's just bleak. You got Kendall Fuller, and then just nothing else. Uh, their second best corner is Danny Johnson, who I've never heard of. He's a 2018, looks like he was undrafted, um, out of Southern. So that's not super inspiring last year was his career best year and he had a 65 uh coverage grade i think that's you know that's about, about all you're gonna get i can kind of see why william jackson is pro projected to be the cb2 opposite kendall fuller um because he has at least done it before but again 
last year was a really bad year for him, and it was actually two out of the last three years were really, really bad. So, you know, maybe he takes a step forward. Um, his rookie season five years ago was really good. Um, they have Corn Elder, kind of forgot about him, from the Lions. Um, he had one good season in 2020. Outside of that, he's just been dreadful. They do have two rook, four rookies. Okay, makes sense. They're making making some moves here. So you got um, seventh rounder and Christian Holmes out of Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State had a very good defense last year, but I think that that was largely the scheme. Um, the players were not super um, inspiring. Uh, another undrafted free agent, Josh Drayden out of Cal. Uh, Nigel Hill, undrafted free agent out of Delaware. And then they have Devin Taylor, uh, undrafted free agent from Bowling Green. So that's your cornerback room, and that's a problem. Um, outside of the corners, uh, like I mentioned, the linebackers are a big issue. Uh, I guess let's touch on those right now. So you got uh, David Mayo who has had one good season ever, and that was his second year in the league, 2016. 2019 was okay. He had a 72, uh, but 2016 he had an 88. The rest of his career he's been horrifically bad, like one of the worst linebackers in football. He's a 2015 fifth rounder. Um, I don't understand why he's even on this team or in the NFL. This dude is bad. Um, not good at run defense, not good at pass rush, and his worst attribute is coverage. So the linebackers you're going to be picking on a lot. Uh, your Sam would be uh, Jamin Davis, uh, former first-rounder, 2021 out of Kentucky. A lot of hype was made about him. I never liked him at all. Um, the, you heard uh, Jamin Davis and Jabril Cox mentioned in the same breath all the time, and I liked Cox a ton, really did not like Davis. Davis had a horrific rookie season. <laughs> he was the 19th overall pick. That's embarrassing. Um, so, But, you know, few people do have a good rookie season. So we'll see what he can do in year two. And then your Mike is Cole Holcomb, 2019 fifth rounder, uh, who has been uh, slightly below average for three years. And that's it. That's your whole linebacker room. Two really bad players, one of whom is a um, entering his second year. And then a third year, uh, sorry, a fourth year dude who's only ever been mediocre. Um, but the defensive line, of course, is incredible. You got Montez Sweat, got Deron Payne, Chase Young, and Jonathan Allen. Those four guys obviously are going to terrorize you. Uh, Kendall Fuller was the third best cornerback in football last year. Your safeties are really good. Uh, Bobby McCain. Um, pretty elite in coverage, uh, struggled a little bit when brought on a blitz, um, run defense wasn't amazing. Cameron Curl was slightly better. He was kind of good at everything across the board, a little bit less good at coverage, uh, but really shown as a run defender. So I think that those two safeties seem like they really work well in tandem. Commanders are, have enough talent to hurt you. I think that they are still a year or two away from any kind of dominance, and I think that they're never going to be anything until they can solve the quarterback issue, and Washington hasn't had a quarter, good quarterback since, I don't know, Kirk Cousins. I mean, RG3 had a really good season. 
am I forgetting anybody? Is RG3 and Kirk Cousins, have they had anybody else good since then? I don't think they have. If I'm leaving anybody off, I'm just I'm just blanking on them. Washington has just been so uninspiring recently. Uh, linebackers are an issue. Um, until they can get another playmaker at corner, I think the defense is going to be a problem for them. Um, but the offense has just enough playmakers that I think they can catch you napping and really put, put some hurt on you. I think that their ceiling is wild card. But I think that they have um, absolutely every thing that you could want to try and, and hit that ceiling of wild card. Um, could they win a playoff game? I kind of doubt it. But I think they could stack up just enough wins in the season to hurt you. I'm not scared about playing them this year, though. Uh, we really have um, done whatever we want to against Washington in recent years. All right, so the Saints, this is the final non-division conference contender. They got a new head coach, Dennis Allen. I think that you could have gone um, either way with this one. So uh, Pete Carmichael was their offensive coordinator. Dennis Allen was the defensive coordinator. I think either one of those guys would have been fine as the off uh, as the head coach. I've been advocating for teams to poach the Saints coaching staff for years. Um, never understood why uh, more of these guys weren't um, getting stolen away. Darren Rizzi, special teams coordinator. This is the guy the Packers tried to hire, and then um, he wanted more money, and the Packers said no. And uh, you see what they have done since then on special teams. Uh, he got promoted to assistant head coach. Chris Richard, their defensive backs coach, got promoted to co-defensive coordinator. So that's interesting, actually. So Chris Richard and uh, defensive line coach Ryan Nielsen are both co-defensive coordinators. So there's not actually one defensive coordinator filling in for Dennis Allen, which makes sense because Dennis Allen is still there. So he's still going to be he's going to be the um, actual defensive coordinator, just not in name. Pete Carmichael's going to keep running the offense. Uh, he's been with the Saints now for 17 years. Um, Doug Marone, former Jaguars coach, is going to be the new offensive line coach. And then University of Tennessee wide receiver coach Cody Burns is going to come in and coach wide receivers. Interesting. I actually um, need to look into Tennessee's wide receivers. Didn't they have Velas Jones last year? I think they did. I did not like him. And then the Bears picked him up, which is hilarious, in the third round. <clears throat> so uh, that's it for coaching changes. Let's talk about what they did with players. Because first of all, for whatever reason, despite the fact that they don't have Drew Brees and they don't have... Uh, what the heck was their coach's name? Uh, Sean Payton. Wow, totally blanked. They still are not doing a teardown. They are still... I mean, they lost Marcus Williams and Malcolm Jenkins this offseason, too. <laughs> and they still are not doing a rebuild. It's like, all right, we're going to build... We're going to continue to build around uh, Cam Jordan. And, gosh, we love... Ta um, uh, picturing the guys in the face the tight end Taysom Hill we love Taysom Hill so um I don't I, don't, I just don't understand they if ever there was a team that needed to do a rebuild it's these guys so they moved around a bunch in the draft goofed around um I, I still don't understand what the point of all that was they 
actually, let me pull up the whole chart. Uh, I think Andrew Brandt put this together. Okay, finally found it. I was searching for forever. So, <laughs> uh, it was Warren Sharp who pointed this out. The Saints gave up so many draft picks. They gave up a 2023 first rounder, 2023 second rounder. They gave up a 2022 first rounder, a second 2022 first rounder, a 2022, what is this, fourth rounder? Um, All right, this is getting so complicated. They drafted Chris Olave, left tackle Trevor Penning, and they got a sixth round pick, okay? So two players and a sixth round pick. And in exchange, they gave up a first round pick, a second round pick, plus the picks that were used to draft um, Jahan Dotson, Brian Robinson, Sam Howell, Cole Turner, Kyron Johnson, and the capital that got A.J. Brown. They give A.J. Brown, Jahan Dotson, Brian Robinson, Sam Howell, a first-round pick, a second-round pick, and three other players to get Chris Olave, Trevor Penning, and a sixth-round pick. I don't understand what the Saints are doing. I just don't. I, I don't know if they're – they just seem drunk all the time. Every time they make a move, it makes no sense to me. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, looking at um, who they brought in. Jameis Winston is back as the quarterback. He was um, playing some decent football last year before he got hurt. Uh, I thought that it was uh, quite unfortunate um, that he did get hurt. He, last year, um, he was really doing a lot of work as a runner. Uh, He did that, of course, against us. He had four touchdowns, uh, four passing touchdowns and three interceptions. uh, One rushing touchdown. Um, he had a 74 overall grade. He had 1,100 yards in 161 attempts before getting injured. He was playing competent football. Uh, I think that uh, no no question you were fine with what you were getting from him. Um, a lot of people love to hate on him. I think he's good enough. Problem is the offensive line in front of him has finally really eroded. So you got your left tackle, Trevor Penning, um, who was much more of a run blocker than a pass blocker. Uh, Coach Hahn talked about him extensively on this show. Left guard Andrus Pete has not been good since 2016, um, and he's not good at anything. Their center is Eric McCoy. What the heck happened to uh, oh Caesar Ruiz got moved to right guard? Interesting. He hasn't been good. Uh, Eric McCoy has been playing better football, but he had a bad year last year. Right tackle is still Ryan Ramzik. He's the only good player on the offensive line. He is as good as he's ever been. He had the second best year of his career last year, which is good because they need him. Um, and then in terms of who you're throwing to, I don't know if Michael Thomas is going to be back because I, I still don't know what the heck is going on with him. Um, I know that some of the time it's been that he wasn't healthy, uh, but, you know, and, and he's like getting all over on Twitter about like uh you know that he feels good and he's ready to play and all that but he has not played since 2019. Now I guess he played a few games in 2020 but he injured himself in week 1, was bad for the first 7 games and then didn't play again, missed the entire 2021 20, season. 
Um, as of the end of May, uh, the Saints are saying that he still is not ready to return yet. That's that's special. I don't know if he's ever going to play again. Uh, Dennis Allen, head coach, says, I think he's doing well in his rehab. He's not ready yet. He's here. He's rehabbing. He's getting himself better, and we're certainly anxious to get him out here. When asked if Thomas will be ready for training camp, Allen said, that's our plan. All right. Well, we'll see. Um, opposite him, you got Chris Olave. Um, obviously a talented player, but a rookie. Um, I think if he's your wide receiver two, you're probably fine with that. If he's your wide receiver one, that's a problem. Now, Jarvis Landry came home to Louisiana. He's going to be your slot corner. And I think that if Michael Thomas is back, and if Olave is, let's say, two-thirds of as good as people think he's going to be in his rookie season. You know, he, he did stay an extra year in college. He's a very polished, very polished route runner. Good hands. Fast burner. I, I think that this trio can be really, really lethal. I think Jameis Winston um, can really do some damage down the field. Um, his interceptions were not out of control last year, the way they have been in, in you know, for the majority of his career. I think that they can do enough damage with him under center as long as he can stay healthy. Problem is that offensive line in front of him is a problem. Um, Alvin Kamara had a bad year last year, which I'm going to blame on the offensive line. Um, there were a couple games where I thought Kamara could have played better, but on the whole, Kamara still looked like himself. Uh, tight end Adam Troutman is not a very good player. Uh, he was the 41st best tight end in football last year. He's kind of the only tight end that they have. Defense still looks okay, um, but your DB room is kind of gutted. Now, they did bring in Tyron Matthew. I think he's tremendously overrated. I have never, in the last, like, three years, have never understood the hype over Tyron Matthew. I, dude is not a top 10 safety in this league. He graded out as the 38th best safety in football last year. That's That's not even a... That's not even worthy of being a number one safety on your own team. Paulson Adebo is a pretty bad corner. Uh, last year, um, he was a third-round pick last year. Um, I, I, I think, you know, he, he had a 60 grade. I think that's fine for a rookie, but you'd like to see better. Lattimore is still there. Marshawn Lattimore um, had a bounce-back year last year after two disappointing seasons, 2019-2020. Linebacker core is really solid. Um, so they already had uh, Demario Davis, who has been playing really quality football for the last five years. But last year they drafted Pete Werner in the second round of Ohio State. Um, Ohio State had like four linebackers who got drafted, and I told anybody who would listen that Pete Werner was the guy who was worth taking out of that bunch. I said Pete Werner is phenomenal. Everybody else is riffraff. Pete Warner had himself a heck of a year last year, 79 grade. His run defense was a 91. The only thing that he was not great at was coverage. Uh, he, he looks like he's going to be their will linebacker again this year. And then Zach Bond is there, um, Wisconsin guy, 2020 third rounder. Um, has not been good so far, but as your linebacker three, I think it's fine. So I think your your linebacker core looks good. Your corners are fine. Your defensive line is still really good. Um, Marcus Davenport overtook Cam Jordan as the best player on the defense last year. Had himself a career year. Uh, Cam Jordan is still good. 
Um, he the only problem with him is he has steadily gotten worse every single year since 2017. So that's five straight years of regression. He's still playing at a high level, but I think year six here he has to turn that around and start going back up again instead of continuing to go down. So, but still a good player. David Onyemata uh, had two back-to-back really good years, 2020-2021. And then the only weak link on the entire defensive line is Shai Tuttle, and I think you don't super hate that. So defense can still really be a problem, and I think they got really great coaching. Offense is a huge ball of potential, um, and I think that whether or not Michael Thomas plays is going to make a massive, massive difference between this being just – kind of what they were last year and being, you know, one of the better teams in the NFC. I think that this, I think the Saints are going to make the playoffs if Jameis Winston plays the whole year. I really do. If uh, Taysom Hill is under center, forget it. Um, But then that offensive line is still really a problem. So um, looking at these three new teams we covered today, I think there's a clear separation um, between uh, uh, the guys we talked about, the teams we talked about last week, the teams we talked about this week. Um, you got your upper tier and your lower tier, no question. Um, and I, I would say I, I think the commanders are still a couple years away. Yeah, Kind of like when we were talking about last week, I said the Niners and the Buccaneers are kind of the teams to beat. Uh, Rams, I think, are a step behind them. Cowboys and Cardinals are a step behind them. I would put the Eagles and Saints on a very similar tier to the Cowboys and Cardinals. I think that Cowboys, Cardinals, Eagles, Saints are all really going to be vying with each other for various playoff spots. I would expect all four of them to make the playoffs. Uh, So that would be two teams from the NFC East, three teams from the NFC West, that, that sounds about right. I think those are your wild cards. Now, um, the one thing to think of, though, is the Vikings. And I think the Vikings, we're going to cover those in a future week. Vikings are going to be right in that mix. And if they want to get in the playoffs, they're going to be stealing the spot of one of these teams. So you got the Niners, Rams, Cowboys, Cardinals. We got all the divisions, right? NFC South is Buccaneers and Saints. And uh, so that's two teams from we have, we have three wild cards, right? So Saints, uh, we'll say Eagles, Rams, Cardinals. That's four teams plus the Vikings. So two of those are getting left out: Vikings and um, Saints or Cardinals. Somewhere in there, two of those teams are not making it. I think the 49ers will win the division. Buccaneers will win their division. Packers will win their division, and then Eagles or Cowboys. I'm going to go with probably the Eagles win the division this year, but, I mean, it's close. I I think it all just depends on how much of last year's flukiness with the Cowboys that was a positive um, turns out not to be a fluke. In other words, I'm saying they were – I think they were pretty overrated last year, um, and I think that they were accomplishing more than what their – talent said they should have done so the question is how much of that was a fluke and how much of that was us reading them wrong and um underrating them so we'll see i think that's your i think that's your nfc i think everybody else is out in the cold i think that washington is out in the cold um i don't expect the lions to make the playoffs i don't there's nobody else even worth discussing 
Um, so commanders, I think, are, are clearly on the outside, um, but they are worth talking about because we do play them this year. We do play the Saints in the preseason, but it's just, you know, who cares? So there you go. That's your NFC preview. Um, hope you enjoyed it. I had a blast talking about these teams. And I think the Packers are right up there, uh, right in that top upper tier with the uh, Niners and Buccaneers. I think those are the three teams to beat, despite everyone's consternation over them losing Devontae Adams and MVS, MVS and his 300 yards. I think the Packers are going to be fine. So, um, bit of a weak NFC this year. I think the AFC is a little bit stronger. Let me know if you have any interest in me going over the AFC. Um, I don't know that it impacts us. A ton, but if you're interested in hearing me go through those teams the way I did with the NFC, please reach out and let me know. Again, the Vikings are going to get their own episode, um, and I'm hopefully going to get a guest on for that one. I just um, work out some scheduling stuff, and we'll see if we're able to make that happen. Until next time, uh, check me out on Twitter at JJ Leahy, and I will see you in the next episode.